What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the What the Niche podcast with me, your host, Andrew Morris. Now, a couple quick notes before we get into the knit and gritty of this week's episode. As I mentioned last week, my store is launched at whatthenitch.net, so please feel free to head there and check out some of the great merch I have available. And be on the lookout for some sweet new swag coming in this week. And again, I have to give it up to my boy Braxton Gaither. A shout out for his design on the new merch. Thanks, brother. You're the best. Next, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber and get access to bonus episodes and sweet rewards. For today's episode, I have to offer a quick shout out to my dude, Major Payne, for providing me with the fantastic backing music. And lastly, thank you as always, for continuing to support this podcast. I honestly have been consistently blown away by people's response to something I've wanted to do for years. I love all of you. And now it's on to the episode. In this week's episode, we are jumping into the world of rap music. This is uh, frankly offensive to me and uh, I think to any parent that uh, uh, would uh, hear uh, and would know what these lyrics are all about, they would find that it is nothing but filth. The The Attorney General's office served the warning on executives of the Musicland Group, the largest record store chain in America that owns both Musicland and Sam Goody stores. It threatened criminal prosecution if the stores continue to sell the new NWA record to minors. The issue here, said the Attorney General, is not record burning or censorship. The issue here is access by minors to harmful and sexually offensive material. I doubt if they'll win this case. Minnesota is not the first state to go after record stores. In Florida, a store owner was arrested and convicted for selling copies of a record by Two Live Crew, another rap band whose album, As Nasty As They Wanna Be, proved too nasty for the local sheriff. Shortly after that, Two Live Crew members themselves were arrested after a concert. You are now about to witness the strength of street music. I think music supposed to move people. Um, I don't want to make just one type of music. Everybody should feel a certain way when they listen to it. Because at the end of the day, we are human. That's what I like to say. I'm not a rapper. I'm a human being that's putting these thoughts and these emotions through an instrumental. I first started rhyming when I was 13. And when I said I want to sit down and I want to perfect my craft, I really went out there studying all the greats. Biggie, Tupac, Jay-Z, Nas. You know what I mean, just to better my lyrical skills because I felt that it was the best, you know what I mean, in my time period. It was just me basically developing myself. I mean, when people heard K-Dot, they was like, yo, the kid is dope. He can rap, but who is he? Words is powerful, you know? And I think that um, the ability to articulate, you know, you can, you, can, you can really impact people. I think as human beings, everybody has a natural gift and a natural passion, but then you go outside and you get influenced and you, and you feel pressure from, from what's going on outside. And so, you know, I read one time, like, would you rather be at war with yourself and at peace with the world or at peace with yourself and at war with the world? Mm-hmm. And that was powerful for me. The main, most important thing, number one, is you got to get rid of doubt. If you got doubt in what you're doing, it's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? And the way to do that is you have a plan. 
Because if you got a plan, it's not like just a pipe dream. You have a step-by-step list of things to do to get to your goal. From band albums to the forefront of music culture, rap has climbed the mountain and laid its flag upon the peak. The artists who don the burden of being brandished as thugs and criminals have trudged through the mounds of negativity to come out the other side to offer hope and promise for those who may otherwise feel hopeless in a world which often casts them aside. These poets and philanthropists of the streets change minds and trends the ebbs and flows of what it means to be cool filtered through the prism of rap and the phenomenon has left the borders of its origins becoming a global means of expression the rhythm and beats offering a method to spit individuals proverbial problems into the ether where audiences give those quandaries a home A limitless medium bridging the gap of difference and the nights of a lyrical renaissance waged war and won. Now they take their place at the table where the world sits ready to hear what they have to say. And this brings me to my guest today. His name is Major Payne. He is a father, poet, spiritualist, rap artist, incredibly thought-provoking and genuinely a great dude. In our conversation, we delve into the issues the world currently faces, including education, injustice in the black community, politics, and many other pressing issues. Overall, I found our discussion to be important, relevant, and enlightening. I hope you find this civil conversation between two people with dramatically different backgrounds to be powerful and uplifting. And I'm going to transition into our conversation by playing a track from Major Payne's upcoming album, Generation Z, which is due to drop September 11th. And the song is called Civil War. Say what the fuck I want to. You did. Man up, never send a boy to do a man's job. I pull a take K and hit the race on these damn cops. Disenfranchised like we don't have no fucking civil rights. Taking risks cause any given time they can take your life. Treat us like dogs, acting like we just don't have a soul. I former kings used to run this world, everything was gold. Got the nerve to say we don't belong, trying to send us off. Jedi mind tricks from the Republic, they can't kill us all. Genocide got us all reflecting on the self hate. Beef amongst our peers who gon' carry all this dead weight. Call me MP Collins. Major pain, that's one in the same I don't have no shame, smoke ain't nothing to a flame Against all lies, like Machiavelli ain't no laying down Deny the truth, now take a look at how that's playing out Eyes don't lie, man, we can't unsee this shit Mitch McConnell, you a coward and a piece of shit Flag on my left side, fuck the right wing Spike Lee saw ahead of time, on do the right thing It'll be a fight until the death you try assaulting me Rest in power, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery It's a shame, it's a shame, it's a shame Work this hard for them to treat us like a slave. Like a slave. Asking God how much more I gotta take. I, gotta take. I try to pray, but something gotta shake. Gotta shake. 
game. Getting tired of seeing mamas at the wave, sick and tired. Feeling pains in the womb, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. Man, there's gotta be another different way. A different way. I refuse to let them put me in the grave. In the grave. Emotions running high, got me thinking about a riot. People posting all these videos of black men dying. Be damned if they get me, have my kids out here crying. Best believe if they get me, Tully's killing everybody. Walking out my house, it feel like I write, prepare for war. Gotta watch myself because they always on attack. The biggest damn gang in America. You bitches playing with them guns, you ain't scared of us. Let me put my foot on back your neck and see just how you like it. I go home, you get to die while I'm acting righteous. Sound bad, don't it? You really mad, bro? Now you see why the hell I wanna spaz out. Ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun We get savage, take you from your family Put that on the news, asking us for the same justice We don't make a case, bet you hurt Feeling disrespected, spit all in your face It's a shame, it's a shame, it's a shame, it's a shame. Work this hard for them to treat us like a slave Like a slave. Asking God how much more I gotta take I, gotta take. I try to pray, but something gotta shave. gotta shave Getting tired of seeing mamas at the wave Sick and tired, feeling pains in the womb It's a mistake, it's a mistake. man there's gotta be another different Way. A different way. I refuse to let them put me in the grave. In the grave. Hey, look, this is about more than just being black. Plenty of motherfucking social injustice going around. You dig? But for some high reason, we keep getting targeted. Oh yeah, you know everybody get their turn. Wait till it's y'all's turn. And don't cry about that shit neither. Don't expect me to feel no motherfucking remorse. All right, so my name is uh Major Payne. Um, <laughs> I know people get a kick out of that. It's like, really? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll give you the backstory on that one. But uh, I'm from uh, Clarksville, Tennessee, 931 representative, but uh, also 502, Louisville, Kentucky, native too. Um, I, I'm a producer, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of, I make a lot of beats, and I also um, engineer too, myself. So I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, and uh, what I really love about doing what I'm doing now as far as music is just really like listening. It's like really listening and hearing myself and finding my um, my own identity in music. You know, so it, it's a special thing. But that's basically all I got for now. There's still more to come. So I haven't even, I could tell you a million things, but you just have to see it for yourself. Right on, man. I love that. And uh, I was uh, introduced to you uh, by a mutual friend, uh, Braxton Gaither. Got to continue to give that man a shout out. He has uh, helped me out tremendously through all of this. Out Brax, because that guy is, hey, man, he knows people like, I'm like, dude, you know everybody. Yeah. He said he's a networking whore is what he's. (laughs) Yeah, he is. Yeah. And surprisingly. Because, you know, at one point in time, I, you know, I remember because, I mean, he's a friend of my cousin, you know, so we all like kind of we all got this whole artistic vibe spiritually and stuff like that. So when we sit around and have conversations about different things. It's funny as hell. And uh, Braxton, you know, there was a point when I met Braxton where he was trying to find his space. You know what I'm saying? Like he had the skills, but it was really like, what do I do with it? What else am I capable of doing? Like, and uh He's like a white Tupac to me, too, because he's he says shit you like just he don't even think before he speaks. Sometimes he just says shit. And I'm like, dude, did you just say that shit out loud? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he yeah. Me out. he's got a, a cool he's got a cool sensibility, man. And uh, I appreciate him. I think him and uh, probably his future 
future lady in crime, Colleen, are both wonderful people, and uh, I'm excited to know them. I'm like, yeah, she matches him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and uh, dude, I I was I was bopping your song literally all day uh, after I heard it last night, the Civil War, Um, and I'm really excited to to hear the rest of that, and I'm excited to talk about that. I'm excited to share it here. I think it's going to be dope. You have a style that uh, resonates with me hardcore just because, you know, we talked a little bit about this beforehand. Uh, I'm more a fan of the old school. Uh, I'm not going to hate you like what you like. It's fine. Uh, yeah. A lot of, you know, as a teacher, my students are into like uh, G Herbo, uh, NBA young boy. Yeah. And, and I can fuck with some of it, but there's a lot of it that I'm just like, mm, it's okay. Yeah. But I don't think it's for us. As being Not, older people, that's the thing. You just have to realize things aren't always for you. And that's okay. So, but your stuff, I can definitely fuck with. I like it. Um, I like to start these conversations <clears throat> because I think it's it's interesting to kind of set some of these things, um, set some of these things up that people can put them and lay them to rest. Hopefully I know that you are not the mayor of Ratville, but uh, you can speak to some of your own experiences. Um, so what are some of the misconceptions or the preconceived notions that people make about you as a rap artist? I, I'm going to tell you right off the bat. I don't look the part. Um, <laughs> when they hear my music, they're like, that's you like that. So that deep ass voice is you. Like and how how silly I am as a person because I'm like I'm <laughs> I'm really funny so like you like that the seriousness behind it the passion behind it they're like I can't believe that you that's you you know like you made that they like for real let me hear you rap it back to me I'm like <laughs> okay I could I could have easily rehearsed this a thousand times listening to the song it's me you know um, also that uh, and also you're like do I have to do that right now we're in a Footlocker you want me to just rap right here like what are we doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and honestly, I haven't even I haven't even bubbled yet. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the first I, because I was really producing at first. Like I was trying to really I didn't want to be on the forefront and really do that. Like I just wanted to make beats. Like I my inspiration was like Dr. Dre. You know, like Dr. Dre, Timberland, um, people, m- musicians. My dad and my mother. Like you know, I'm an '80s baby, so um, I got to I. I can say that I got the luxury of getting to hear those treasures of music. Prince. You know what I'm saying? And between my um, cousin Lexi, so I've got to hear so many different forms of music. I wasn't just hip-hop. And I think that's what created uh, the vibe for me of doing music because I was listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire and uh, listening to uh, Aerosmith. Just so many different so many different groups. Bjork. Like, Bjork is <laughs> Oh my God! Like I'm in love with Bjork. I she is the weirdest little Scorpio chick. She's <laughs> but just her voice just is something else. And it put you know like spiritually, like I I say when I listen to music now, I'm not moved by it because I don't feel the energy like the real energy behind it. Like you know, like they say it's only entertainment, and I feel like a lot of times with it. People don't take off the, they don't take that uh, costume off. They go around wearing it all day like people are not themselves. So they get confused on reality, on who they are and and why they started doing music. And a lot of times I feel like when you do it for the money rather than the love for it, 
that's what that's what energy you put out into the universe you know so yeah this- i think that might be part of the you know i know back in the 70s and the 80s there were you know what people termed the one hit wonders like if you think that that was a thing then where you know an artist might be popular for a year now dude an, an artist might be popular for 2 months uh because everything is so instant gratification culture things are spinning out much much quicker when you have all these these platforms where things are so easy to distribute you know you can get like a little mixtape that pops up you know once a month for an artist oh yeah we're dropping two songs tonight and you're like cuz it's so easy you just click a button albums used to be like it takes six months you'll see a video you'll see coming soon you're like yeah when is it gonna drop yeah there's there was a lot of suspense that was built up and you you know it, you had all this this waiting game and you're like yes you know unless it was no limit and no limit dropped an album every single week <laughs> i don't know you remember that shit yeah uh, like i mean they had like a million fucking artists on there. they did you know? yeah I used to love those multicolored CD cases they put them in, like the pink and yellow and purple and shit. I was like, all right, why is mystical blue? You know, you're like, all right, but I, I can mess with that, though. Yeah, uh, at that time it came out. I was in Tennessee, so my stepbrother, uh, he had this thing called the Chevy Club. Shout out uh, Mike Mixon. But, uh, he man, he was about printing shit on the back of his window and stuff, you know, with the tent. So he had No Limit Records printed on there. And yeah. Crazy to see that, you know, that's that's when I learned about, you know, the South, as far as when the Southern music came up um, for me, because at first uh, in the 90s, my dad would get all the soundtracks, you know, from um, Menace to Society. Oh, he set it off. Ooh, that was a good one. Uh, he had Sunset Park. I don't know if you remember that movie. Sunset. <sighs> yeah. That had, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, from Onyx. Uh Slam was one of my favorite songs, dog. Back in the day, I'd love that song so much. Slam, slam. Got me pumped. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's the thing about, like, now, like, you don't have that suspense. You don't have that creativity, like, when you do an album where you got skits. You know, sometimes albums sound like a, a mixtape. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that's, for me, like... uh I like albums that really all go together and make sense. Like uh, you go back and you look at like true with true to the game where they had the double disc and everything fit this thematic thing that they were going for, for the entire album. It didn't just feel like a bunch of songs that just got thrown in willy nilly where you look at all eyes on me with Tupac, you know, he was making, it was thematic. Like everything was talking about a specific thing. You know, he might've had a couple songs that kind of offset like, Two of America's Most Wanted was just kind of fun. California Love was kind of fun. You got to have your singles. You get yeah. at least one or two. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and again, it's fine. Do your thing. Uh, I'm not hating. I, I, you know, I, as a teacher, I try to teach my, my students not to just be like, because uh, they're real bad at being like, oh, you like so-and-so? That's trash. That thing's trash. Just, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy with throwing that out. Be, you know, just be like, that ain't my thing. Yeah, everything's trash yeah. that they don't like. Oh, that's trash. You like Notorious Big? That's trash. You're like, the fuck you talking? What? Okay. Okay. The kid that said something about, you know, Tupac, like, and, and Tupac, look, so that's one person you better not talk about <laughs> around me the wrong way when I was younger. Because I'm talking about when Tupac would come on, I'm listening to Bitches as a writer. 
I'm talking about, you know, I've been on punishment for six months. I'm in the house, you know, hormones. I'm ready to fight. Man, you couldn't tell me shit about Tupac. And I heard this kid talking about him and they kind of like, just like made him disappear in the thin air. Like, you don't even hear about this kid no more. You know what I'm saying? He had just started. You can't talk about Tupac. Wow. I remember Flex did it. Uh, Funk Flex did it. Oh. And he was sorry. You know you messed up. Because you know that East, that East Coast, West Coast rivalry, even though it don't exist now, you know what I'm saying? But you know new, you know something about East Coast as far as like uh, with guys like that, you know, from the old school, they just still got that, you know, that cloud over them about Tupac and not understanding that really Tupac, you know, he's from New York. Yeah. He's from Baltimore, Maryland. He wasn't even from, yeah, he resonated in uh in California, but he's from the East. Right. So, you know, like they don't get the the work ethic. Like these guys get on and get punched in and punched out. This dude is rapping to where he's running out of breaths. He's doing a thousand takes and he's his work ethic was crazy. Yeah. And I know he wasn't the best, but his work no. ethic was crazy and he was ahead of his time. Yeah. And he was just he was more than just he was more than just a, a rap artist. He was an artist. Right. Yeah, and he was you know, you know, he was a flawed human. Uh there's a podcast if you if uh if anybody's curious, it's called Slow Burn. And it's all about the uh, the Tupac and Notorious Big uh rivalry. It talks about how they were friends. I mean, it talks about uh, a lot of the people that rode with, with Biggie and a lot of people that rode with Tupac and a lot of the the, the things that they did wrong. And, you know, it talks about, you know, Tupac's uh, time in jail and, you know, uh, how he was alleged um, to have uh, been with uh, Faith Evans and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of the, the ill blood that was brought about and all that, and that mix up. And it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, flawed as he was, you know, he was a person that's fine. And I think that he did more good uh, for, you know, the rap movement and things of that nature and uh, really pushed it to the forefront in a way that, you know, not a lot of people had at that point and took it in new directions, you know, and a great activist. And uh, he was more than he's more than people understood about culturally, you know, you know, you hear about Tupac in other countries. Yeah. And it was because of, you know, he was revolutionary. I mean, coming from the Panthers and, you know, um, being a kid born in that, you know, so it was like the things. And that's what gets me about why I do music the way that I do music. And I've done music for a long time, but I never really put anything out because I was when I was younger. You know, I had adolescent music like these kids now. Yeah. And I was and some pulling me back like I don't want to I don't want to sound like that. Right. I want to so I'm at the best level, you know, so I'm working at the craft. I want to make sure when I present myself to the world, this is what you're getting. This is this is all me. This is, you know, you're going to feel where I'm coming from rather than just be, a, you know, make it a kind of to me. something's just like a clown show. You know, everybody got on clown suits to a certain extent, um, like. We, we can't really define a genre for, for, you know, rap now because, you know, a lot of guys do this sing song and shit using the auto-tune. I'm not knocking it, but, you know, it, I feel like auto-tune and the thing people don't understand about auto-tune is that it's always been around for years, but it was mainly to correct the pitch, not to, but it's been manipulated to the point where, you know, I'm like, can you really perform like that on stage and sing that? 
Right. If you're gonna do it, can you really perform it like that? You know what I'm saying? And and like really right, like when when you put the lyrics on, do the are the lyrics really like? Do they really have substance to them, or is it just the beat? Because I yeah. can tell you now, I can make I can make beats to where I don't have to say shit. Like I could talk about a bunch of bullshit, you know, potatoes and apples. And <laughs> like, that beat is hard. That's all you do is listening. That's what gets a lot of people now because the producers are so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like um, one of the big um, one of the groups that I really enjoyed coming out of Memphis was Three Six Mafia, and that's, that's where. I, uh, yep. You yeah. Know, that's where I'm from. So yeah. Yeah, so three six man, I always thought it was interesting that they called it hypnotic music was their label and whatnot, or hypnotized minds rather, and uh, and you were like, yeah, that's a good name because their beats, dude, were just entrancing. Like when you heard "Where Is the Bud," you know that song, you know it just hits, you know, and you're you're in it. You're like, oh shit. And then, uh, you know, they called me Lord Infamous, but you could, and just the way that they flowed with everything was like in your um, mind. And that's how I picked up. If you want to know something about picking up a flow, they had, they, as, as far as the shit they was talking about was crazy, of course. It was kind of like, um, if you want to look at it, contrast to them was like, they're like the black ICP. You know, yeah, dude, 100%. Yeah, I, I've said that that same thing because they were telling these wild, crazy ass stories. They were like yeah. metal, they were like the metal of rap because they were talking about there's one, uh, what is the one song? Uh, damn, I'm scared. Is anyone out there? Damn, I'm scared. Um, he's talking about being married alive, and he's like, uh, I heard, I heard the clumps of dirt coming up off of me, and then they threw the body in on top of me. And talking about burying multiple people. I mean, it was it's crazy shit. It's not the normal like I'm gonna go out and you know get hose and be draped and buy 15 Ferraris or some oh, dark shit. shit. Like, yeah. um, I'm gonna tell you a song that got me. Um, and uh, my, my homie Tyrone, uh, uh, <laughs> he turned me on to uh, their album. Uh, what album was that? And it's when they started popping. And uh, the song's called uh, "Why You Test My Gangster." <laughs> um, it, it just fucked me up because Crunchy Black, you know, um, he's recently just came out of the, you know, on Vlad, <laughs> calling him Glad and stuff. But uh, how, how he talks about shit, and as simple as he is, it was like he really does that shit though. Like he really actually lives out the shit that he's talking about. Dude will rob you, and you name it, all types of crazy shit in it. Him, Coops, Coops, a nigga, um, Lord Infamous. But yeah. my guy, my guy was Juicy J. Because <sighs> Juicy J, I got my, where I picked up my flow between Tupac and him is where I got kind of, you know, found my flow at between those two. Yeah, you know? and uh, I don't know if people, uh, Gangsta Boo had just done a song with somebody else here recently. And you see these girls that are, which I'm glad, uh, I just stumbled onto Megan The Stallion, which she's dope. Uh, but it's like, you hear girls that are doing this nasty in your face. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, uh, you need to go back and uh, visit gangsta boo because she was doing that, uh, 25 years ago and no, hate, no shade. Somebody has got paved the way. And, uh, so it's interesting to know that those, those things that were being done that long ago, because I remember, um, world domination chapter two. I mean, God, when did that come out? 95. And just to know that those guys and those cats were doing the things with, the production, like you said, they could have said nothing. They could have just released a damn instrumental album and you would have been like, man, this bops. 
And the way and, that they break down, the way that they break down their bars, right? You know, like you hear the Migos in them. Yeah. I tell people, I tell them, I say, you don't understand that they were doing that then. Yeah. You know, people act like it's just some new shit. I'm like, you know, and I'm not hating. I was like, man, I can do that. I used to rap like that. Yeah. I just, you know, but the thing is that you don't understand about it is, is that it's pronunciation. They pronunciated when they did it though. Like Bone Thugs and Harmony did it. Like people don't understand where all this shit derives from. Like they think like, oh man, it's some new shit. I'm like, bro, if I let y'all hear this shit, it's the same difference. And you you'll be like, and yeah, they're probably I ain't gonna lie, some of the younger generation, like the, you know, in the two thousand, the two thousand babies, they kind of like, they like some of the old shit that we like. Mm-hmm. It's that middle generation, like in between, like yeah. you know, ninety-five and two thousand that like this newer shit and uh a lot of them are not talking about nothing it's mainly ad libs what makes the song cold for them is the fucking ad libs yeah basically all the shit in the background the chanting in the background which three six mafia was the group that had all that like even some of the the like as we're talking about music you can hear like um some weird shit in the background like uh i'm trying to think of uh like certain chanting from like choruses and stuff like that real deep and dark uh, in the background like and then them chanting as far as doing the ad libs man this shit has been around forever it's just that now it's more it's less less bars more ad libs yeah yeah and you know i think that that's you know, I think that's why people like Kendrick Lamar end up at the forefront and you know people like J Cole and they have staying power like Kendrick Lamar has been popular for years now. You know, he's not, he's not falling off. And J. Cole has been popular again. I mean, Poor Stills, that album is a classic. I mean, it plays like a greatest hits album. You know, Kendrick Lamar's damn. You know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, I try and tell this to my students. I'm like, do you realize that he won an award that nobody in the rap community has ever even been nominated for? He won a Pulitzer Prize for that album. Like, what? Like, that's unheard of. And yeah, Hebrew shit in that one, talking about being a black Hebrew and stuff like that. I really listened to that real close. Yeah. I mean, so, and again, you know, it's all what, what you're into. My buddy, he gives me shit because, you know, I like Lupe Fiasco and I like people that are real heavy on um, the political stuff and real heavy on, you know, talking about the world in general and telling stories. And he's like, Sometimes you just want to listen to silly shit that you don't have to think about. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, you know, and there's a time and a place for everything. Sometimes it does get heavy. Sometimes you don't want to be like, you know, with Lupe Fiasco, you have a song called uh, Little Weapons where he's talking about the uh, the uh, kid soldiers over there in Sierra Leone and things of that nature. And he's like, I don't know. I just want to think about that shit. And I was like, for for every one of those songs, we need to hey y'all from Outcast. You know, there needs to be a, ba- a balance. Or sometimes yeah, it's just fun. Oh yeah, I, and I definitely can't wait till like I drop this album because uh, I got a, I got a song that I'm actually about to um, do a video to, and uh, I, I got to put these guys on because uh, they're doing a good. You see, you know, when you see the footage, you know, as far as the the video for Civil War 2020, like um, his name's uh Danny Greenwell. That's a uh, Green Greenhouse Films. And he's just up and coming a uh, videographer, and so is uh, my other buddy um, who does nice films. So they both are working on my um, working on my songs as far as my videos to make sure that everything is 
This next song that I'm about to do, though, is called Blue Suit. <laughs> and the video, too, is like I'm hoping we're trying to put it together right now um, because I, I've been watching a lot of these videos. And it's basically it, 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 they, they, it makes us fit into the stereotype. I, I don't like the idea of just everybody standing in, in a, a, a hood, just everybody standing. Basically, it's like being posted, posted in like it's almost the same as when you go to a club. And people post on the wall. That shit's boring. Yeah, I, you know, move around like you know. That's the part of entertainment. You know, it's basically like you just sitting still and you docile. I don't, I don't like that. Like you know, add something to give make the song. Even if the song, like I've heard some stupid ass songs that are just silly as hell. But because he did the video so good, it makes me appreciate the song. Yeah, yeah. If you well, want to go back to like good videos, I mean, we go back to Tupac. You look at that video for California Love, the two-part video that they did. That Mad was an Max. event. Mad Max. It was so dope. Nobody had done anything like that. And it's it's just cool. Like, uh, I don't know if you're a big fan of Childish Gambino, but that's what sets that dude apart. And he's around the same age as me. So, you know, when I, uh, my cousin Lexi turned me on to him, and when she turned me on to him, she's like, she that's what let me know, like, damn, I, like I could do this too because seeing somebody my age, like everybody goes, Drake's my age too. But him, most importantly, is because of everything he does. He's, he's a great, he's a good actor. He does, mm. he does a little bit of comedy. He's a little bit funny. But yeah. him as an artist, the way that he does videos, <sighs> man. I mean, and he got this song called "Stay Woke." Oh, um, that sounds amazing. The just. Listen, if you really listen to the music behind that, right, that's something that that comes from a time before our time. So, you know, he grew up in that in that era, you know, as far as the 70s. Like that makes you just want to sit back and smoke a blunt and just relax and think about life. (laughs) Yeah. And his music videos are films like he he did the one for sober. That's a really cool video. Uh, it's all real out there. And then he's got one for a song called Oakland that I really, really love. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite songs by him. And it has this wild, it's all filmed in Hawaii with one of the most beautiful girls you've ever seen. And they're just like a love affair. And then there's this crazy twist at the end. And it's amazing. Like it's this little horror movie. It's a phenomenal. And I think he had, for uh something like that the, uh what is it called he he made a movie with rihanna yeah uh it's a little short film on yeah. uh it's a guava guava island guava island yep, yeah yep, that's, i think, I think that's and it. uh it was cool because it integrated his music and it, it it told a cool story uh he had that i think that was the premiere of that song summertime which i absolutely love that song so that song makes me want to just do and I, for this America too. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Because he opens with that, like at work. He's at work, and like his boss is like, "Yeah." And uh, it's cool if you guys haven't seen it and you're a fan. You definitely need to dig into that because it's cool. Um, and he's doing different stuff, like you said. He's getting outside of the, those those stereotypical things that you see, and that's whatever. You know, if that is your, if that's your truth, and that's where you grew up and whatnot, I can't knock that. That's fine. Um, but if you want to be an innovator, you want to be something different. And I understand that not everybody is going to be like they're, they have that pioneer, uh, mindset where they're like, I'm out to break the mold. I'm out to do this. 
Some people are just like, I just want to have fun. I enjoy this kind of music. I'm going to do it. That's fine. You know, but I think if you want to be a trailblazer, you need to be doing things like what he's doing with what Tupac did with what J Cole and, and these guys that have real staying power. And, yeah, and what you're about to do, cause <laughs> I'm, I'm on that, like on that kid. I, I, this is the question I have for you. What, when are we going to just quit living in the party though? Because that's the, that's the vibe. Like, you know, and everybody is basically complacent. Like, yeah, people listen to it, but I don't even think that people really even listen. They, they just go through their day and they just got to, like, basically have, to have it on for background noise. You know, you're not even listening to the words. You really can't, you can't feel anything from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, my, I have a friend who's uh, starting another podcast. Um, it's going to be called What the Music. And the, the, premise on that is to sit down and do deep discussions on the music that people enjoy. And every week he's going to challenge himself to sit down and listen to his guest's favorite album. So whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is, whatever genre it is. And uh, him and I sat down and talked about um, Leslie Odom Jr. Um, If you're, are you familiar with him? No, I don't know who he is. He, he played Aaron Burr in Hamilton. So that's where he got his claim to fame. And he just did an album. I think it released about six months ago. And there's a song on there. If you're going to dig into it, um, start with the song, Remember Black. And I did that very thing that you were just talking about. I listened to the song. I enjoyed the song. The, the, uh, he got a great singing voice, beautiful song. But then when I started digging into it for our discussion for the podcast, I realized that the song was about slavery. And I had never realized it. And in the song he's talking about, he says, remember black because he's saying, remember the things that you like blues, jazz, hip hop, soul. Those are all black things. And he says, there's a line in there. They started in the fields to help us get over our sorrow. And I had never caught that line. And then as I did this deep dive, I go, Jesus Christ, this song just changed I will never listen to that song the same. And I think we are in this party mode. We just take things and a lot of times we don't absorb them because it's this instant gratification stuff that has a, has a foothold on all of our lives. And I think at some point, I think that's what worries me about this current black lives matter movement is that it's going to die. It's going to die down again. You know, it's, it's been going, you know, 13, 14 days strong and I've been really excited to see, you know, all the unification that we're seeing, you know, white, black, purple, pink are at those marches. And I think that's beautiful. And I think we're fighting against that bullshit that they're selling on the news that, you know, we are divided. We're not, yeah. you know, and I mean, we got to have more community to where we stay consistent. The problem in all communities. And I mean, I, I say for us. Like me just doing music, like people come out with like, you know, this is kind of on the subject of it. Even doing music, people are inconsistent with it to where we don't keep that consistency. You know, this uh, this systemic racism was built on consistency. This kept happening on consistency. What they're, So if we don't have the same consistency with this movement. You're right. It could happen that way. But I tried to because I, I thought about it like. 
because I had did that song, Civil War, like when the protest started. And then when you listen to the song, you'll hear me say something about, got me thinking about a riot. By I'll be damned by Friday night, riot started. I was like, damn, it's powerful to know. And, you know, people were talking about the looting part about it. And like I said, like, like I told people, I said, check this out. First of all, because I knew where it was going, because a lot of people was like, yeah, downtown. And I hate how they um, speak on downtown as if downtown is the West End. Now, understand there's certain parts of towns, just like regions downtown. And basically how it's been gentrified because it is gentrified. They didn't tore down Beach of Terrace. They're, they're probably going to tear down the other projects down the way from it, City View. And it's not even for that's not even for us. I remember trying to go into 4th Street one night. They wouldn't even let me in. And I had a button up shirt and I had on shorts and they told me I couldn't come in. So when you think about it, a lot of things, why the black community is so active about it. And, and if we are, if you know, as far as getting the finger pointed, like we're the ones destroying shit. We, we're not allowed in those places. A lot of times it's not made to where it's affordable for none of us as a community, no matter what race you are for real. At the end of the day, it's for people who who are the higher ups who can afford to pay, like going to a concert, paying five thousand fucking dollars. For instance, you know, I'm just exaggerating, but we we can't afford this shit. You know, when you go to the mall like that got looted in and you got to think we do with the pandemic having to sit in the house people don't have jobs so if if there was if we were doing that we go back to what tupac said when we asking to get in and, and we're singing at first and then it turns into because we're not getting our fair share and we're the ones all of us who work you know essential because i'm a worker and you know people who like you you said you're a, a teacher right mm-hmm. so They've been taken from funding from from the schools. Everything yeah. is going on. If that if that is the case, if we were doing that, we're the ones who getting cheated that are having to deal with the, you know deal with this problem um, where education is not looked at, where we can't afford certain things. It's warranted. We're sitting we sitting here like you know with our hands you know with our thumbs up, ass trying to figure out what to do. What what is our leader? What are our leaders doing about it? So you know, the movement I think will stay strong because I thought for three days, like I was like maybe it's going to end, and I'll be damned when I go out there to shoot the video or whatever. It's still going, and I was like in awe, and just it blew my mind. Like it really blew my mind to see everyone from different ethnicities be out there for this movement, and it's getting more and more powerful. I don't think it's going to stop. I hope it doesn't. Yeah, me too. Um, so, did your video you you, uh, you got to maybe capture some of that stuff? What was that like shooting the video in the midst of all this uh, protesting and stuff like that? I couldn't even like. <laughs> um, Danny basically was like trying to play the play the song, and I told him, I said, "We ain't gonna hear that in here." I said, "Just get capture everything that's going." On. I was pointing him to look at everything that's going on. And we got so caught up in the moment that I just felt good to walk in that and embracing it. Because you, if you think of our ancestors before us that were doing the marching and things like that, it was a surreal moment. It felt like a dream. It, it really felt like a dream. Like, I can't believe I'm living in this. 
And uh, I, I felt chills. I felt any emotion you could feel is like, cause I'm a very spiritual person. So to feel that aura around and it was all positive. They had one guy, one guy. And I was over by the hall of justice, like right across the street. And he was fucking belligerent and drunk saying y'all looting and tearing up shit and just going crazy. And there was a guy next to me. He was about to fuck this dude up. And I had to grab him. I'm like, Hey, 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 don't. Cause he saw the guy, the woman had like one of those, uh, things that you like megaphones mm-hmm. and he was grabbing on it and she pulled away from him. So he thought that it was about to be a scuffle. He's about to protect her. But I was like, no, he, he'll calm down. Cause I'm used to seeing shit like that. You know, you know, belligerent. There's always one belligerent asshole. And then mind you, it's hot outside. So if he, he was drinking, hey, that motherfucker's probably going to pass out somewhere. Right. But, uh, I stopped him because I was like, don't do that. Because if you do that, that's going to set this, that's going to fuck this up. Like, and he came down. He's a young guy. And I was, I, I really felt good. At, and so the guy kept going. They let him talk. They let him talk. And then they, and she got on her megaphone and they followed him and sent him on his way. It was so, the message was so powerful that it just sent him on his way. And I, I love that energy where we're doing it without having to get violent. But I feel like on the other side of things, too, that how these police are handling this shit, that that's the reason why I made the song and called it what I call it Civil War 2020, because it's us against now it's us against authority. So I feel like we're going to have to fight back at those times. You know, we get you know, I saw this girl on um, CNN that got hit in the face with one of those rubber bullets and she her, she stitched up and she still can't see out of her eye as we speak. Yeah, and that girl's from here. Uh, I'm friends with her on Facebook, and uh, it, <laughs> I couldn't believe to see that. And I think that for people that don't understand what's going on, I think that they're failing to use an empathetic eye, I guess. Um, you should sit back and consider. It's kind of what you were saying before. I don't know how many times you can say in a whisper, can we please be equal? Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Michael Shea bit. Uh, Michael Shea said the the baseline for what the movement is starting with is Black Lives Matter. Nothing else, just matters. And he hits the nail on the head. He's like, w- and we can't even get that. You got nah, man. I, I don't agree with that. Well, wait, what? Mm. That's and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize what they're doing when they're saying things like All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter. Well, you're shifting. You're shifting the the conversation from the the problem that they're trying to address and they don't understand how that is comes off in a derogatory manner because you need to first address the thing that they're asking, you know, from society in general. And this needs to be a movement not to, to attack people, but to attack a system, you know? So it's not saying that the individual cops are all bad, but the system is not good. It's very flawed. And, yeah. and you know, I think with the black, when this Black Lives Matter, when Black Lives Matter started in the beginning, like, you know, how many years ago was that? That was about, I say six. Something like that. Yeah. Ferguson sometime around there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. With with Michael. Um, That what, what bothered me about it the most is because we got this problem with the one upper shit. And it's like the way that they're doing this, like being one up is okay. Well, we do, but this is not happening to you. What about the white dude that that's one out of a million? I can tell you right now, 
in this one year when JCYC closed down and, and my wife, she um she uh worked for JCYC. Half of those kids, once they that place shut down, a lot of those kids are dead right now. Dead. Yeah, you and for those that don't know, JCYC is like a uh it's a young detention center uh for you know young kids that are committing uh crimes and things of that nature. Yeah. That displacement can be a problem. But this uh, this all stems from all of that. You know, when they say systematic, you know what I'm saying? I could have got treated like that. I remember when, like I told you, you know, before we started, um, you know, uh, the first time I heard nigger said to me and the way that I had, and, the, and the, the crazy thing about it is from the person that I'm having kids with. And so I ended up getting an assault charge that got tried as if it was a felony. And I had to do two years probation. I had never had, I had never, never in my life had a charge you know and i'm 20 i think i was 21 okay so doing a two-year probation didn't have now don't get me wrong i'm glad to have gone and rehabilitated through that because it taught me something about not understanding uh that i was transitioning into an adult and how to handle these type of things um in a different manner but it doesn't take away that it took me, it took me 10 years, 10 years to get to this point to where I'm good as far as occupational wise and things like that. The worst part about it that got me is what they put on the paperwork. They didn't even have my name spelled the right way. More or less, they had me under white male. They had me under white male. I'm like, and they won't correct that. So you, you know, it's flawed. That system is very flawed. And so when you deal with an experience like that and they can't even get your name right, like, I don't even matter. So when you hear when I hear that shit, when people say uh, all lives matter, any of that, yeah, police get killed. But and, and I'm and I'm and I'm very remorseful for that. But when what we've been dealing with and then me looking at history and you seeing where it was OK, where we were treated like roaches to just get stepped on and get hung up on trees. And, and that's a normal part of life. And to see that it's still happening in that same way, this, these lynchings are happening that way. I have no, you know, I, I don't have no respect for the system. And, and when people try to downplay that, I have a problem with that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's why they need to understand that, you know, people are getting upset, you know, and uh, I feel like so many people are ingrained and it's, this is one of the things that um, I have issue with is being very, this side or that side, there's no middle ground. You're either pro police or pro black lives matter. And there's no middle ground. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, because I appreciate the fact that, you know, my wife can walk out to her car by herself. You know, she leaves a restaurant somewhere in the city late at night, 11, 12 o'clock. And she comes home and I didn't have to really worry much about her getting raped or murdered. Thank you. You know, whoever's keeping the peace, you know, whether it be the police or whatever, I appreciate that. I appreciate you can go and look at a lot of the heroic things that police officers have done. They, they go into these mass shootings and go in and risk their own lives. You, you've seen some of those people there first on scene and who knows how many countless lives they save by doing that stuff. I am never saying that all police officers are bad, um, but I do understand someone that grew up in a neighborhood that the only way that they were ever treated was by default like a criminal because they lived in that neighborhood and they were black. 
crime does not have a color, and that's what we need exactly. to realize. That crime doesn't have a color. It doesn't have a certain specific face. You know, that's what our system, our justice system was supposed to be for. Uh, for. And a lot of people don't really touch into, like, they like, I don't get into politics. I don't get into the news. Well, there is some truth to the news. So, you, you know, if you tune in and actually go and look at it, look at who's a part of who, like, the, the higher-ups who are running our country, not just Trump. But our justice system, as far as Will, Will Barr, I'm going to call him out, you know, how he's turning shit around to basically allow this president who has no class to act the way he's acting. That shit that happened in Washington, D.C. And Washington, D.C., for people who don't understand Washington, D. Washington, D.C., is crazy. So the White House even being there. You don't understand that that city has a lot of that going on and they wouldn't tolerate that shit. And for him to go do a photo op, knowing well, and he don't, I don't even think the dude believes in God for real to, to hold a Bible upside down <laughs> and push people out of the way and hurt people to do that shows what it, it shows what reflection of our country is. Yeah. We'd be like, that ain't my president, but somebody had to vote him in mm -hmm. and I'm not going to put it on one person. There was a lot of people. So people like, Oh, it was all white. No, it was black people too. It was yep. Hispanic. We all took, we all took the responsibility of voting that dude in. We chose to vote those senators in and that's what you get. That's what we get for that because yeah. nobody, nobody wants to pay attention to that. But I like it now. It's one thing about just doing, not just about just doing the black, movement it's about us as a country deciding to change the way we think and and make a different movement and go out there and actually deal with these politics and put people in place that that we want yeah and i think that goes back to the thing when is the party going to end because at some point you need to take an active role in what's going on and what's uh uh if charles booker who uh is local representative yeah, I love that guy. He stood with the teachers. Uh, I posted this on my Facebook. He stood with us teachers last year uh, when those bills were going forward with Matt Bevan consistently attacking educators. He went to bat for us time and time again. And then during the Black Lives Matter movement, I've seen him out there several times on Friday when the students and the teachers came out. He was there. He made himself vocal. Um, it wasn't a bunch of political uh, cookie cutter bullshit. He was talking about the things that he had been through and, you know, him being a person of color and understanding uh, the, the problems that are exist within this current system. And he also addressed the big elephant in the room. He's like, you got to show up. He's like, statistically, black voters don't show up at the polls. And he's like, if you want change, you got to stop saying, well, my vote doesn't matter. Well, make it matter. Show the fuck up, and if, if ever, because I the you know they go poll people, and it's like the majority of people are progressive. You know they they're they don't give a shit if people gay people get married. They're like I don't care. They don't give a shit if marijuana is legal. Well, if that's a thing, then why is all that stuff still a problem? Because you're sitting your ass at home being complacent, and your silence is you know you see the signs. Your silence is violence. If you're sitting at home, well, it's fine. I do my vote does matter. Shut the fuck up, get off your ass, and go make your voice heard. People died for you to have that right. The women's suffrage movement. You know, go back and look at the three-fifths compromise. The fact that 
black people were ever considered three-fifths of a person. People fought for that shit. And you're just going to sit at home? That makes me mad. As an educator, I'm like, you can't do that. Get up and go. Then say something. You know, then if it's still failing you, we have a 95% turnout for voting. And then it still doesn't turn out the way that, you know, you, you thought the vote should have went. And the, the statistics and the numbers say that it should have went this way and it still didn't. Well, then we know the system's broken and then we should burn that shit to the ground. But it, until you're I'll making your. You say, yeah. Because that's what, what that was. That's the whole point of this song. Civil War that I made was because I feel like if. We doing what we're supposed to do now. Okay, before we, we, you know, we made excuses. Before we, we wasn't saying anything. We weren't, we weren't saying anything about anything. Um, we talked the shit, but didn't, wasn't active about it. But now we're doing it. We're all doing it. It's never too late. And if things don't go the way they're supposed to, then this country will burn. And I know that for a fact, just because. It's revolution. It's happened so many. It's happened to other countries. If you look through history of other countries, like where it's just America, it's our turn. Now it's our turn. I watched when I was coming up. Uh, we when I went to uh, Highland Middle School, our teach my teacher, Mister Matters, he made sure we watched CNN every morning, and that's what got me hip to educate myself about what's going on around the world. And it's just our turn. Like seeing these countries fight. With, fight with the uh, government and things of that nature, you know, and, and the funny thing about what our president is trying to do, he's trying to take out of that book and take us back. You know, he's trying to take us back to those times and we're just not having it because that's not how our system was brought. Yeah. The only problem where the push is the, where the, the friction is, is because like I said, it's been a consistent thing of the systematic bullshit that's been going on is that we're trying to change that and they're having a hard time of dealing with it. And I'm just watching, I've been laughing watching uh, Don Lemon because he puts, he puts them all on front street <laughs> and they <laughs> have been very quiet. Yeah. Very quiet. <laughs> and I know as a rap artist, how do you feel this impacts you directly with everything that's going on politically? I've been on YouTube like a whole lot let's trying to see if other artists are doing this same movement that I've been doing, you know, making the song that I made. And there's, a, there's a few artists that have been, you know, stepping on doing that and, and, and stepping out. I wish, I wish Nipsey was here for real. Like if Nipsey would have been here, that would have been lovely. But, um, you know, and to be honest with you, I, I, I come from gang affiliation, you know what I'm saying? So when that happened, um, when he was about to talk to the police about the community, you know, as far as black communities and what he was trying to do, it was like losing Tupac again. You know, it really hurt. Like, as soon as I heard the news, I didn't want to believe it. I felt coaches. I felt my stomach turn. And this was a year ago. I'd be, I'd be damned if this was a year ago. Nipsey died in March. And then this March, we have a pandemic. You know, like, it, it really is it, very, even talking about it, it, you know, it gets me emotional because, you know, I want more of us as black, as far as black men to step up, regardless of being afraid of if we might get judged for it or if we or possibly get, you know, possibly get assassinated for it. You got, if you, you know, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything and you got to be willing to die for something. 
you know, like I got I got biracial kids and you know how hard it is because the fact that, you know, they had to grow up in here. Like my son literally thought that he was white when he was, you know, growing up and then him, um, me having custody of him now and what well, both of my kids, you know, um, to teach him certain things. And even the school I got him in, uh, he's in the new school, uh, W.E.B. Uh, DeBoer. And uh, him, him having to learn about who he is and learn what his identity is. And, he, and you know, he has a rough time with that. You know, um, it, it's a lot. And and it really has, like, so in your question on, you know, with music, it affects me so deep that I feel like we got to keep doing it. Like, we have to speak, speak even stronger. We can't have no filter. Because if you look at the other side of things, they don't have a filter in uh, emasculating emasculating us or the fact that how they disrespect women women are getting it just as bad as black men do and it's not just just black and black women of course but women you know like i've been watching on facebook and uh different places where white women have been saying certain shit that they're saying and they don't realize even in that time back then that they wouldn't respect it yeah you know so it's a movement for for not just you know just for us it's a movement for for women too you know like that, that's the type of message I'm sending out that all of us need to be equal, but it does need it because the fact that this has been going on for for centuries, that black men have really been it could that could have been me. You know, all these all, all these guys that have died, that could have been me. I've had close calls like I was telling you about being out Shepherdsville. I've had close calls. I've had close calls. And luckily, thank God that uh, I was able to navigate and keep a cool composure. And even though in my mind, there was times I was like, I'm going to kill one of these motherfuckers because they're, they're, they're going to try me and I'm outnumbered. But because, uh, you know, through the grace of God and the fact that I've, uh, I've had to do a lot of soul searching and uh, really meditating to keep myself and keep, keep my composure and just keep on following through with the goals that I set out to make sure that I voice my opinion and, and to make sure that it's hard for people to understand that we we mean something in this world. A lot of it, this country was built on all of our backs, but we got to get rid of these old motherfuckers that's in office. And I yes, it might sound like some ageism, but we can't keep on having, having people that's 70, 80 years old that are not hip to what we believe in, what we live. They yeah. don't live how we live. They don't yeah, live there's a disconnect. Live. Yeah, and, and especially if you're you're looking at individuals like Mitch McConnell, who's somebody that's been a 30-year politician, he's so far removed. Or Donald Trump. Do you think well, that's the interesting, the interesting perception that I see people having is, oh, he represents me. How the fuck does he represent you? He's never bought a gallon of milk. He's never pumped his own gas. How is he a representation in the majority of the country? He's not. Um, and it, I'm, I'm not going to hate on him. That's fine. If I was born into that life, I wouldn't be sad about it either. But, you know, to say that he is a representation of you, he's not. He's not. He didn't learn shit. Yeah. You know, when somebody is spoiled all their life, and this is one thing I had to teach my own son, because my son, he, I mean, he was spoiled coming up because I wasn't in the household. So his mother gave him whatever he wanted. So when he didn't, when he wouldn't get his way, you know, he'd throw a tantrum, he'd manipulate certain things. And I had to teach my son, that's not the way. 
you. Just because you don't get your way, you can't go manipulate and cause a fire over here because you didn't get your way. It's temper tantrums. I'm watching yeah. a, a, a man almost, you know, 70 years old, eight around 70 years old, throw a fucking temper tantrum because he don't like what somebody said to him. But you can say whatever you want. That's the part of the bully. That's the part of, of, of bullying that, you know, we beat up the bullies. That's and he don't understand that that you trying to be a bully because you lack something, you right. know. There's something that you and uh, he don't represent nobody. He represents he reps he represents something that signifies what we came from. And uh, I, I can't I can't be on that movement. I didn't vote for that dude. I voted for Hillary. A lot of people didn't agree with Hillary, but it, you know what? Why I voted for Hillary is because of her credentials. She's been yeah. around. She, to be honest with you, Bill. Yeah, he was our president, or whatever. But he wasn't. He's part of the problem too. Oh yeah, he made the strike rule. Yeah, he uh, put the welfare welfare reform policies in that were really detrimental to individuals in poor areas, uh, and a lot of people neglect that and forget that. Uh, I mean, he did some good things. He balanced the budget and things of that that nature. But he only did that at the expense of a lot of uh, poor people and things of that nature. He hammered down on uh, drug crime and he hammered down on privatized prisons. There's a lot of things that if he were to do it now, wouldn't be considered very uh, towing the democratic line. And that's the thing. um, The shifting of that and pretending like individuals who are liberal or are Democrats couldn't possibly do anything negative for individuals in the black community or things like that. I look uh, at it, they're both the same. Just, yes. they just talking different. They just talk in a different form, but that's the whole point of, about like your job is important, you know, as a, as a teacher, you know what I'm saying? To educate and, and really, and that's the problem that our education is not really put at the forefront like how it used to be when I was coming up in school, because I, you know, I'm very educated on, on what's going on. And if I don't know something, I'm willing to go read on it. We don't even read no more. Like I tell my, I tell my son to go read right now. I swear he will have a, he, he will fucking break down and shut down. If I tell him to go read a book. Yeah. <laughs> I see it. that no more. 150 and, students yeah. and trying to get them to read is nearly impossible. You're like, we're going to set aside 10 minutes at the beginning of class and you guys are going to read. And I let them pick the book and I put books in my library that are contemporary and things that they're going to be into, you know, and from uh, authors of all races. So it's not just a bunch of dead white guys on my bookshelves because I understand that stories are going to be interesting to you if they meet you where you are. So it's, it is one of those things. It's, you know, everything is a video. Everything is an Instagram thing. Everything is a YouTube thing. And they don't have to read shit. And they feel like, you know, that, you know, that's an antiquated means of taking in information. Well, what if they took away all this tomorrow? What if the internet collapses? What if something happens in a world war and the only thing you have left to do is read and you don't have that ability? Yeah. And, and the thing is that script is lost. And that's the problem with music. A lot of these guys are going in. Um, you ain't no possible way you're writing this bullshit. If that's if that's some of this shit that I hear, if you wrote that or whoever wrote that for you, you needs to take their ass back to school. Like, <laughs> I, 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 love, I love the reason why musically, like as far as lyricism, why why I can 
be in tune with it as good as I am as far as writing is because my favorite subject was English and in uh in government US government and history, world history and, and geography. Those things I hated fucking math. You couldn't you couldn't get me to do no type of math. After we hit algebra, I was like, I'm good on that. What am I what do I need X, Y, and Z for? I'm not about to go do coding or no shit like that. But English, the language. And, and it's become a broken language to where it's not even respected. You know, it makes me want to go and uh, try some other languages because it's not respected or appreciated. We don't even appreciate our language. We change the lingo so much and break it down because of because of this, you know, social network, the social experience that, you know, you go to the you go to Google right now and Google some of the ebonics and things like that i'm like that shit doesn't even make sense these abbreviations are starting to get late it's just a bunch of lazy shit yeah (laughs) yeah it's crazy and then tech speak ends up like integrating itself into everyday conversation people are like man it's lit af over her and you're like what the stop use whole words like you're speaking you don't need to be that damn lazy say this party is wild as fuck over here what are you what use whole words man just the the English language is is extraordinarily diverse. We we are such a beautiful amalgamation of so many different things, and mm-hmm. when you see and you read something from someone someone that has such a beautiful command of it, it's powerful. It's amazing, you know. And you you go back to like uh, Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams, and he stands on the desk and he's like, "Use this language to woo women," you know, and he's being funny about it, but he's like. They don't like well, this is good. That's no. Say this is you your name whispers in the wind and you know use poetic language and and be creative because it it will set you apart. You know? Everybody dumbs their stuff down to fit in and we you know like like I said nothing's different. The thing that I can tell you about doing music is that it's same shit just different toilet. You know, we <laughs> realize that uh we don't realize that the past repeats itself and then sometimes there's somebody who revolutionizes things uh, you know when they come and right now i think that's the craving for in music right now we're looking for that like right now j cole and, and kendrick they just sitting back you know because and they're giving the people an opportunity and they're still alive mm-hmm. See, back then artists were dying left and right right people get to enjoy their money and get to live and we need that and not we don't have enough of that because people be like, okay, well, my sales ain't doing good. You right. know, I'm not gonna hot as I would. You gotta be able to believe in what you're doing, believe in your craft, believe in what you're doing and keep driving. Like regardless if they don't want to hear it. Eventually somebody be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just listen to what he gotta say. Yeah. That's and I'm true. Annoying, and I'm I'm annoying like that because I'm a persistent person. So for me, you don't hear me the first time. I'm going to say it again. I'm the person in the room that will literally like nobody else doesn't want to say anything. So y'all just all getting along with him. You you really don't like him. I'm going to be the one to say something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes because it's, it's the easy way, you know, mm-hmm. just being sort of uh, complacent, letting things go and, you know, that, that's why when people say, uh, I don't really like to talk politics, I'm not really big on talking about religion. And, uh, and then, you know, they let this person next to him at work, uh, on the bus, wherever it may be, they pop off saying some dumb, ignorant shit and nobody checks them on it. 
That's the crazy thing to me. Like these people that are 35, 40 years old and still they're getting online and saying this crazy shit and then their life is over because we live in a uh, pretty connected world now. So you put some shit out on blast and then you're like, I lost my job and uh, they took my dog away because I was harassing a man at Central Park and now my life is up. Well, you did some dumb shit and it's amazing to me that nobody checked them. So evidently their friends suck because at some point your friends should have said, what are you, what stop that shit that you're saying right now is dumb and ignorant and you need to cool it. Yeah. And that's what got me about like, that's why I was telling you, you know, about, you know, moving to Louisville, why I didn't because growing up in Tennessee, was different. Like there's a certain mannerism in the South to where like, for instance, public embarrassment, we don't do that. I'll act, and the damn fool, like as far as like, for instance, like when you're in an um, intimate relationship with somebody, there's certain shit that you would do. Like, OK, we need we, I'll talk to you when I get home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Behind closed doors, kids don't hear it. And in this generation now, it's like we got to put everything on display. Like and so these kids got to watch us act the fucking fool. Everybody wants to be seen and wants to be heard because there was a. a because there was a misstep in their life to where they wasn't heard. So now that, you know, you're older, you got to act an ass. And now you're going back to being a child. Like people don't want to be adults. That's why that little phrase about it. I'm, I don't feel like adulting today, you know, but yeah. people really live like we're setting the tone. Our age group. I talk about like I, I've been watching uh, this thing on Netflix about the social experiment to where they get like a uh, hundred people from different age groups, all walks of life. And, uh, our our generation did a fucking horrible job. The twenties, they were energetic. They made it happen. Forties, um, thirties, horrible. Sixties did better than us. Sixties <laughs> and seventies did better than us. And and we because we got this. Uh, you know what it is. Uh, word I'm looking for here is uh, jaded. Like we're jaded. We're really jaded people hate every fucking thing, just just upset about everything. And then we put that energy off on our younger kids who are still in school right now. And so they got that same, same attitude instead of uplifting certain things. And then everybody gets a fucking trophy, too. That is a problem. Yeah, because life won't do that for you. You know, and I, so I try... Still exists. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the points I try to hit my students with, you know, when, you know, they're not being responsible for themselves. And that's, that's a lot of uh, one of my criticisms of education is the, uh, the coddling that is running rampant. It's, you know, uh, well, you know, empathy and equity, I think, are getting lost in translation. Uh, equity does not mean making excuses for all of the students. We should be trying to lift them up and we should expect more of them because you'd be surprised if my expectations are high for them, that they're, they're going to try harder to meet me there rather than saying, well, I don't think you can do that. Let's go ahead and lower it down here. And really you do this because I think this is what you are capable of. I don't know that that's the best methodology in which to raise these kids up. Um, you know, you could turn work in whenever you want. Late work isn't a thing. Homework isn't a thing. And, and we, you, we do that, you get a zero. You know, yes. we, we, you don't turn them. Ain't no making that up. You cannot make that up. Nope. And you'd be pissed off, but you learn from that. You know what? Because 
here's the thing. I grew up getting ass whoopings, okay? Yeah. So, and my, both, like I said, both my parents, my parents are military. My dad oh, is from yeah. Georgia. So, he's from uh, Fort Valley, Georgia. And I tell you this, he, he explained it to me like this. Let me mess up around the neighborhood. I'm getting my ass whooped three times before I get home to get my ass whooped again. Okay. Yeah. So these kids act like we're so hard on them by just having uh communicating with them, tell them, look, you gotta do what you're supposed to do. And they get so irritated. I love it. I'm cause I'm petty. I'm a petty parent. I, that's why I'm would <laughs> talk you into the to the ground until you can't take it no more. Because us as parents, where we fellas, we're like, I'm tired of talking. Like uh, our patience level is so is so thin that we just give up on our kids. Like, I ain't giving up on you. I'm gonna get on your nerve and you'll appreciate me when you get older. Because because I, I was glad to have my father in my life to to teach me that he stayed on my ass. And that's what made me who I am today as a man. And that's the problem with why, you know, when it comes to the workforce, why these kids are able to just quit jobs like our, like even management is horrible. You know what I'm saying? Because you give you give so many damn passes rather than reprimanding anybody. And then you look out for the people who you're friends with. It's almost high school. It's yeah. almost fucking high school. You know, and, and, you know, so our whole system and approach, yeah, we can, you know, this movement is a big thing, but we need to really take a, take a, you know, step back and really reflect on us as a country, as a whole, instead of just pointing just at our leaders, because yeah, they're on some bullshit, but it, it really comes down to us. And it goes back to what you was talking about as far as this movement, not wanting to die. That's even if the movement, even though we stop protesting. I'm kind of glad for the pandemic in a way because it made us have to all sit at home and deal with our families because we can point at them, but we don't make it any better in our own homes. We don't. Yeah. There was a, uh, some of the kids that graduated from manual, uh, and one, one young man is actually going to Yale and had made his way back to Louisville uh, to come. Yeah. I was really thoroughly impressed by this young man. And one of the things he said that, he jokingly said, he's like, man, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I didn't expect this many white people to show up, but bravo. He's like, but guess what? He's like, it's now your job to go back and stop laughing at the fact that, oh, my God, I have to deal with my racist uncle at Thanksgiving again. No, he's like, that shit stops here. He's like, because guess what? It's going to be your job. You're here. So evidently you care, right? Go back mm-hmm. and talk to your racist uncle. Yeah, talk to him. him. Tell him. Right. And he's like, because is he going to listen to me? No. He may listen to you. Somebody he sees every year. You're his family. It's your job. It's the tough thing. Talk. Listen. Maybe maybe you can find the place to meet him and then maybe bring him over. And at the end of the day, it's got to be their job to change their own minds. But you can present them with information, present them with experiences that they might not have ever had. Because yeah, and, they're, and they're willing to listen. It's just that we don't talk enough. Exactly. You know, and it's dismissive. Oh, I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but right. Um, well, not to derail the conversation, um, but I like to end these these chats with um, inspirations for people. Uh, and I know that, you know, you've kind of talked about it throughout the conversation with people that meant something to you, Tupac and Nipsey, uh, and things of that nature. But what was like the real, the real click, the real turning point for you to say, this is the thing I need to pursue. This is the medium in which I think that I have a calling for. The biggest thing that, um, 
inspired me was uh my grandmother, the rest of us. So she really was the one because she came from uh she grew up in the times of what we didn't, you know, for now now what we're facing. And she told me so many stories um about life and just giving me wisdom um to be uh responsible with you know, my, my lyricism in music and what I put out, what type of energy I put out to educate people. So what, what drives me is helping people. You know, it's about creating avenues for people to do what they love. What drives me is that I get tired of having a clock in the work, knowing that I'm working for somebody else when I could be out here really um, setting the tone and changing, changing the, the climate, you know, to where I'm at and, and everywhere else to where people see something different rather than us keep going in this same revolving, in the same revolving door. That, that woman really taught me a lot. Um, Fontaine Tibbs. Like, I mean, I even got a song for her on my um, album that's coming out. Um, because if it wasn't for her, I'd be, I'd probably be dead right now, you know? So with, I, and I got to go through and listen to those voicemails now to remember where I came from. You know, she grew, I grew up on uh, Garland Avenue, California Park, you know, between there. And for her to be, she was like a gym in that neighborhood. Everybody respected her. You know, you go past, nobody would break in her house and plus she was strapped too. <laughs> like, <laughs> she wasn't damn games. And so for a woman who wasn't nothing but four foot fucking nothing to have as much courage and heart as she did, and and wouldn't let nobody wouldn't let nobody change her. That's what drove me to really like to do this because it's in the memory of her. Because like if it like I'm telling you, if it wasn't for this woman, I wouldn't be as good of an artist as I am, just because of the wisdom that she gave me to be able to put these points out and uh, historically be able to talk. Because she grew up, she's from West Virginia, fourteen years old, fourteen years old. Both her parents died. She was out here on her own. She was out here on her own and she moved, she, you know, migrated to Louisville and she made a way for herself. I I grew up around like she was a nanny at somebody's house on Brownsboro Road. And I love that family. Like I got to see what money looks like, like wealth, you know, where they and they were good people. So there and there was no racial line either. So to see that, that's what drives me for real, is just creating uh more of a colorful world you know to where everybody is is drumming to this tune to where we all really like finally get to that point like there's still gonna be some there's gonna be some tension every, here you know here and there but for us to all be able to be to the same drum and get along you know that's what i do it for you know to where we can all be in an environment where we all can have something it's not just one-sided where we actually truly are equal. And that's what drives me to do music. That's, that's fantastic, dude. That's dope. Um, I love that sentiment. And uh, I hope that that becomes the thing. And uh, let me just take some time to thank you. Uh, do major pain, right? Uh, I appreciate you, man. And I'm looking really forward to uh, posting this for everybody to check out. And I hope that maybe uh, it makes some people take some of the action that they might not have before. Um, and uh, I think what you're doing is great, man. And I appreciate your time. 